Two Geographies is an art commissioning project coordinated and produced by nine organisations from the East Contemporary Visual Art Network. In 2017, members of the public were invited to nominate overlooked and forgotten places across the six counties of the East of England. Then followed an open call for artists to propose a new public artwork inspired by any of the nominated locations. A diverse and exciting group of 10 artists were selected and commissioned. Over the past three years, we've been working together to realise their ambitious projects, engaging with local artists, residents, schools and communities across the region and further afield. Hello. My name's David Blandy and I've been working with New Geographies on a project around the site called Canvey Wick in Essex, uh, part of Canvey Island, um, for a project that happened at uh, Focal Point Gallery um, at the end of 2019 and into 2020. Um, Canvey Wick was a site that immediately drew me in just because of its history because of the fact that um, it had been due to be a oil reserve um, in the 1970s, but then due to various reasons, it was abandoned and left to nature um, for over 40 years, um, leading it to be one of the most biodiverse spaces in the UK, um, full of arachnids and um, beetles and bees and wild orchids and all sorts of things that you only really notice when you get close down to the earth and, uh, yeah, investigate. This was the Occidental Oil Refinery site that was given permission in 1972. Two permissions were given. One was for the Occidental site and the other piece of land that you saw all the way more or less to Benfleet Station was to an American um, oil refinery. Government planning permission was given for the two sites. That was it. There was a huge amount of uh, public resistance from the locals that were all up in arms about it. But once the government's given, it's a done. I'm Chris Fennick. Uh, I hail from Canby. I was, I was born here. And if you cut me in half, it says Canby Island all the way through. The deal was that the Americans would start theirs when the Italians finished theirs, because there was a joint effort. And this jetty that you see here, we're gonna go out to it, was built that goes right out to the deep water channel to bring where the, the crude oil tankers um, more up to. Then it all comes down the pipes to these huge oil refineries that's gonna be built here. And then the whole petroleum process and crackers and smells and whatever goes. But we didn't end up with that landscape. World recessions set in and all of a sudden someone started doing their mathematics within the petroleum business. Well, we don't need all these oil refineries. <coughs> so they got shelved. Now, funny enough, this is all twisted as a weird gift to Canby Island because we've got all this now. It's our playground. It's a great community area. 
and it's managed by very good agencies. Hi everyone, so yeah, I'm Ruth. I work at South Essex, uh, RSPB South Essex. We manage six different nature reserves in the area. So we've got Canviewick here, West Canvey, which you'll have come past. And then there's a couple over the creek, uh, Bowes Marsh and the Vanges and one all the way up at Stamfordly Hope. Um, so yeah, Canviewick, it's a really special site that we have here. So uh, originally it was gonna be um, built as an oil refinery, but the oil refinery never got built. Um, and so there's lots of concrete structures around that you'll see there's some huge concrete pads we'll walk over um, which and nature's just kind of taken back over which is amazing to see um, so because of all this kind of concrete structures and because Canvey is built of dredgings from the Thames and it has these really sandy soils it makes it a really good place for insects so the, the concrete pads will heat up in the spring and summer and they retain that heat so it has its own little microclimate and it stays really warm and then you get a lot of insects, uh, mining bees, things like that, that like to nest in all the sandy soil and they'll bury their way in. Um, so it's a really special site, which is why it's a designated triple SI. Great. Well, um, should, we, should we make our way into the, yeah, let's do that. Into the wick? Um, yeah, this is, this is the book that was inspired by this place. Um, if you see in the background here, there's the black jetty that we're gonna go past quite soon. Yeah, it, on the map, if anyone's looking at the map right now, we're, we're just around here, and we're gonna be walking along here. This tale of rebirth, um, of nature recovering from the excesses of industrialization seems such an interesting metaphor that I, I wanted to do something with it. I wanted to make a project. Um, the project took two parts, really. It took, um, it was a film, a film that I filmed with um, my partner, Claire Barrett, in um, Cambywick itself over a 12-month period, going down a few times a month to um, watch the seasons change, to see the buds appear and then the flowers and then um, see all the beetles appear in in May and the bees and the flowers and then watch it all go to autumn leaves falling onto the ground and then the frosts of winter and then the cycle repeating and this film was set against a um, a narrative, a, a set of stories that were based on um, a fantasy future, a fantasy inspired by role-playing games and the fantasy worlds of things like Dungeons and Dragons, the writings of Ursula Le Guin, Octavia Butler, um, I guess Philip K. Dick, kind of. And it told a, a narrative of a world 8,000 years in the future where humanity to escape the climate cataclysm had gone down into underground silos, um, saving themselves um, and future generations and were no, only now 8,000 years later emerging into this new world, this world that had been without humans. And while they were down there, all the people had changed um, they'd stopped being Homo sapiens and become something else. They'd merged with various parts of nature. Yeah, changed genetically.
thanks to um, a kind of sci-fi fiction idea of um, almost Gaia Force, Essence it's called, um, in the fiction, um, that was released by the world to try and um, cure itself from the excesses of humanity. The cataclysm caused a rupture and the earth responded, releasing a plethora of hitherto unknown forces onto the surface world. These forces came to be known as essence. Essence drastically altered gene changes, speeding up evolutionary processes and made possible the manipulation of elemental and organic forces for those who found themselves attuned. The myth of magic was made real. Essence changed the fabric of reality. So there's this film with a beautiful soundtrack um, recorded by the South End Symphony Orchestra. I scored a, a suite of different tunes to go with each season. So, um, you know, like Vivaldi, I guess, um, spring, summer, autumn, winter. And um, yeah, took it to the South End Symphony Orchestra and they, they interpreted it in, into this um, orchestration, which was really exciting. It's the first time I've worked with an orchestra in this way. First time I've really worked with a score. Um, I make a lot of music, but don't score much um, since really my teens so it, it was a big experiment to, to to make the soundtrack but it it, it has a certain flavor it's it, it's kind of um, there's, there's a sort of authenticity to it i guess um and then alongside that the voiceover which um is I and mean, the dominant voice that you hear really is of mervyn linford who's a local poet um based in in essex who who writes a lot about landscape um and um yeah he 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 wrote a few poems responding to this story of the world after the world after the climate cataclysm um which i incorporated a little into into the script um and also feature in the book which is the other main part of the project the book is a playable role-play game like Dungeons and Dragons um, that you play with a group of people um, with a mentor um, describing the environment and the creatures that you're meeting and then with yeah four to I mean I've played it with ten other people um, at a time um, forming a group of of people emerging from these underground havens from these underground societies um, and discovering the surface world for the first time um, and discovering the what's going on there, and and that this the surface world is is not a myth, that uh, the sun is real, and um, that there is a shadowy corporation, the Cryorg, who are trying to exploit the world for its riches again. And uh, what are we going to do about that? So it's yeah, it's it's a um, functioning role play book. So you can take it away, and you can you can play it, and and read it and look at the pictures and <laughs> it also encapsulates all the um all the timelines that went into this this project the 
timeline of Canviewick itself of going from uh, yeah reclaimed land and in uh, from the estuary thanks to the Dutch in the 16th fifteenth uh, century sixteenth century um, through to um, it being turned into this oil reserve and then being left to nature to its present state. So these two parts complement each other. The the film lets you almost see is you're you're being shown the present, but you're also kind of being shown something that's like a, a kind of a, another future. Um, these tiny bugs turned into huge monstrous creatures through the use of the macro lens. Um, we filmed most of um, the world after on a, on an iPhone. That sort of um, icon of um, late capital, um, this symptom of, of everything getting faster and, um, better and smaller and us all having this incredibly powerful computer and camera in our pockets, um, using that itself to, to document these tiny creatures, um, and to document life, um, and the, the force of nature. Um, and in some ways it's, it's a hopeful film, but in another, it's sort of, it's, it's a tale of a, of a passing time, I suppose, you know, is, is this a space that's now going to be lost again, uh, before it recovers and will we recover with it? I guess is one of the central questions. Elders talked of old knowledge, of a land outside our domain, a shining orb, air inflected with salt and life, a golden age of abundance, the breeze caressing great fields of grasses. I thought these were just fever dreams, mind pictures of smoke and essence, but now I know. There is a world after, outside. The film was complemented with a installation, a huge, well, room-sized environment. Um, the viewer would walk along a pier, um, actually built out of old um, planks from South End Pier itself, that they um, recycled into this this installation with kind of handrails and things, also also from South End Pier. And you look out over this sea of blackness of uh, their reclaimed rubber tires turned into chippings it gives the, the room this incredible kind of musty smell and then inside it you see um in the darkness lit by the projection these huge crumbling pillars but they're not stone they're polystyrene they these they're almost like huge replicas of the um, the miniature wargaming props that are in the cabinet outside um, for tiny figures and table roleplay game. So it's like you've kind of stepped inside a a game environment. There's even a um, a sized up 
d20, a 20-sided dice shining in the darkness. Um, and this sets the scene for the film. It kind of gives it a, a ornate frame in a way. Um, and then outside of that dark installation is um, a whole room dedicated to the timelines, the timeline of Canvey Wick, the timeline of um, our next hundred years, um, according to scientists' predictions, um, looking at the thawing of the ice caps and um, the loss of marshlands. I mean, it's, it's said that there will be no marshland left by the end of the century, um, according to present um, calculations. Um, yeah, leading to, um, if we don't do anything, this climate cataclysm that forces people down into these underground silos. Um, and then the final timeline is the timeline of the havens themselves, the next 8,000 years. So it's um, just kind of moments of rebellion and rupture and failure. Hundreds of havens would have failed. The, um, the electronics would have gone. The society would have become untenable. Maybe there would have been civil war. No one would be left. So you know, it's only a small handful would have survived the 8,000 years. Um, before resurfacing um so that's that's the the timelines and then there's spaces to to read there's spaces to to look at the um inspirations that have gone into the project um lots of lots of books uh, from role play books through to science fiction and uh nature writing um and also a, a space to yeah look at um the, the things that have inspired it, like the the tabletop role play games itself, themselves. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope that the installation and exhibition was self-contained in a way that you could go into it without understanding anything about um, fantasy role play, Canvey Wick, our environmental situation, and uh, come out kind of understanding more of where we are now in terms of our current climate crisis, but also the hope that maybe we can both do something about it, but also that nature will survive, that, that something will come through this. And in order to make this um, work, I worked with um, a group of local role-play game um, obsessives, I suppose, people who love to play role-play games. And um, we formed a, a group um, of these kind of disparate individuals from lots of different groups. There is a, a South End um, role-play game society. Um, several members came from that. But there's also um, Gary Bates, who runs the CX and Sorcery LARPing group, came incredibly regularly, came to every single session and then, yeah, people from all sorts of different places. Cat um, Rogers, who who had a BA in illustration, but uh, we only found that out later. And um, yeah, we went through a series of workshops um, trying to take this kernel of an idea that I had of these sort of underground havens, building a whole series of societies, added each um, participant, adding extra detail, 
yeah, incredibly uh, rich detail. Some of the people involved just got so obsessed with, um, for Gary, it was the Sophia, for um, Merlin, it was the Uruk and the Dara. Um, yeah, for Tom, it was the Shard. So yeah, everyone was, was involved in really bringing this, this world to life, making it feel real, tangible. And then we started drawing things, um, drawing both um, members of these societies, what they might look like, but also the creatures that they might encounter are both underground and on the surface. Out there, everything is changing. These past months, under the blazing sun, I've watched things change, mutate, become more themselves. Carapaces gaining layers, extra shine. Teeth gaining barbs, petals growing more vivid. Each generation shifting form, finding new places to exist, exploit new uses for their abilities. And um, it became very clear very quickly that um, Cat Rogers was an incredible talent. Um, first doing these pencil drawings, which were incredibly delicate and um, beautiful and really captured the spirit of what we were trying to do, to collaborate, to make a game about collaboration to create a, a future to find new ways of forming kin uh, but then she she started coming with these these um colored versions so took took the sketches away and then put them into a computer and started started playing with the colors and making them very very thought through and filled in and and it started feeling very real. It started feeling like a proper role-playing game, like you're, they were illustrations from a real role-playing game book. And it was at that, that point that I thought that we've got to turn this into an actual publication. I was thinking that it would be sort of a, a pseudo-publication, maybe a, a pamphlet or a, um, a PDF, like an electronic version, to go alongside the film. But um, it became clear that it, it had to be an actual book. Um, to really, to bring it into the world, to make it part of that world of role-play gaming, that, so it could slip into that 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 bloodstream and uh, somehow feed it in a different way. I mean, the, the dedication of the people that came along was just, yeah, I, I, I was I was astonished, and it was it was really life-affirming actually, as we thought about Canvey Wick and and what it meant and um, what it could mean. And then thinking in also very, very kind of fantasy terms about, you know, what, what would a world with essence where you could manipulate elements with your thoughts, what would that be like? What would it be like to, to grow up in that world? Working with Focal Point themselves was, was incredible, actually. I mean, it was one of the best experiences of working from the beginning of a project from just a kernel of an idea through to um, a fully realized project, a installation, a, 
a, a publication, um, a whole series of events. Yeah, all through the process, um, James Ravenet and and Haley Dixon and um, Catherine Stout were all incredibly supportive. Um, really keen on the detail, but also just totally invested in the idea and and very trusting really i mean it was a completely insane idea to try and make a role play game book with the with the resources that we had and um and you know to to record with an orchestra um all these things that were were kind of just ideas that that seemed to make sense for the project and they weren't like kind of why would you want to do this why what's what's the point of it um how how does that fit into the thing how could it work with the budget you know no those were not the questions it was you know how can we make this happen and um yeah you know just so totally in tune with what 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 i was hoping to achieve really um it felt like a real communal endeavor yeah now that the world after is finished um as an exhibition at um focal point it feels really sad actually but um, um it still lives on in many ways it's um you know the film the film exists it can be quite self-sufficient i suppose in in describing a a certain a certain world a certain view of where we have to go from here but then there's also the role-playing game book and that's having its own life it's um people are starting to play it and you know that was one of the legacies that I'd hoped for was that that it would actually become a world that would be that people would would build for themselves outside of you know our sessions um and I'm currently trying to expand it um building a supplement and yeah possibly expanding into into all sorts of different areas I've had had kind of preliminary group meetings with people in in Liverpool thanks to fact in Liverpool it with um people in in Harlston tried to make a imagine Harlston in 8000 years and all of those things will start to build a yeah a, a kind of much richer wider expansive view of what the world after might be it doesn't feel like it's finished yet The oil refinery was destroyed before it refined a single drop. The destruction began with the crisis. The crisis began with the embargo. The embargo began with the war. The war began with contested land, a land of people and a land of oil. Oil was once so plentiful they built a whole culture around it, burning it to power their lives. You can see all 270 nominated locations alongside details of each of the 10 artists' projects at www.newgeographies.uk. New Geographies has been produced by Art Exchange, 
East Gallery NUA, First Sight, Focal Point Gallery, Kettles Yard, Norwich Castle Museum and Art Gallery, Original Projects, UH Arts and Wising Arts Centre. New Geographies is supported by Arts Council England.